Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. What is good, Alaska? This is Scott Levesque, and you're listening to the Daily Dose of the Must Read Alaska podcast. Of course, as always, I want to welcome everybody who is joining with me. If you've downloaded this, get ready. We're going to have a fun time. But first, I want to say thank you to our listeners, our readers, and our supporters. You guys have been incredible. We're at 121 reviews on the Apple Podcast app, and we're looking to get to 150. So thank you for that. We're almost there, and we need you to help us get us over that finish line. It takes one second. Just give us a five-star review, and it helps tremendously. Also, if you want one of those extra mile people, you know what to do. You can give us a written review. We've got plenty of those, and we could always use more, and they've been overwhelmingly positive. So thank you for that. Well, let's get into some of the news. And there's quite a bit we could talk about, but I'm going to narrow it down to three stories today. And I think they're really telling. Some of that has to do with economics. Some of it has to do with the COVID mandate. And some of it has to do with what I've been preaching and trying to get a hold of, which is the numbers behind the numbers when it comes to vaccinated versus unvaccinated and hospitalization. So let's dive into something that's going to affect the state. Okay. And this just came out. Our fearless leader, Suzanne Dowding, wrote about this today. I would highly recommend that you go to mustreadalaska.com and read the article because it's got some great graphs in there. It's got some great visual concepts as to what's going on right now in this state. And here's the title of the article. Yikes. State economist says number of North Slope workers are back to 2005 level. And so I'm going to read from the article and I want to kind of explain some of what's going on right now. Neil Freed, an economist for the state of Alaska, says the number of employees working on the North Slope are back down to the numbers of employees working there back in 2005. Uh, There's no recovery yet as it takes longer here in Alaska than other oil producing regions to bounce back. And that's what Freed said, essentially. So where do we get all this information? Well, Freed was presenting at the opening of the Alaska Resource Development Council. And it's an annual meeting. And of course, because of COVID and everything that's going on there, it was a teleconference this year. But Freed also said that last year that Alaska had experienced deflation. But this year, this year there's been record inflation. So let's talk about two different things right now. Okay, let's talk about the oil field industry as a whole. And I think we can really focus a lot on on this because this is a direct result, I feel like, amongst many other things, of this Biden's administration and its stranglehold on oil field development, uh, oil production, the idea of exploratory uh, leases that have been given out by the Trump administration that a moratorium was put on. This is what you're starting to see. And the reality is, is that without exploring and development, And keep in mind, I always say this, the United States is the leading country in responsible exploration of natural resources. We really are. I mean, right now we're asking China and Russia and uh, Saudi Arabia to, to provide more oil for us, more gas. And those countries do not have near the standards that we have. 
which is ironic because the individuals who are pushing this kind of agenda, this uh, extreme environmentalist agenda on Alaska are the same people that are saying, well, we need to protect our environment, yet have no problem letting China and Russia and other countries who are oil-producing countries do it however they want to without near the regulation. It's amazing to me the rationale in this. But here we are. We're seeing some of the lowest numbers of employment on the North Slope since 2005. And this has been brought out. And I would have to say that it's without a doubt, without a doubt, the main reason for this has to be the Biden administration's policies that are enacted here in Alaska. For whatever the reason, these extreme environmentalists think that Alaska is just one big playground for them and their people. And I would often wonder how many of those individuals have actually traveled to Alaska. I say this all the time. The North Slope is not the Amazon rainforest. For whatever reason, whenever there's a... Uh, an environmentalist group who's putting on a presentation of well, why we, we should preserve Anwar, it always seems to be this jungle book type scenery that you see, which is ridiculous because that's just not the case at all. But yet, it's hard to get sympathy when you see flat ground that's pretty much tundra. Yet here we stand. And so now we're starting to see some ramifications from that. Now, if you look at the graph, you're going to see that back in 2014 and 15, we had quite the number of employment. It was about 15,300. And as the graph continues to move from 2015 down into 2017, 18, 19, it drops significantly. It hovers around, give or take, you know, about 1,000 employment uh, cycles here. It, get, it stays around the 10,000 mark of employment. And then it drops dramatically in 2020. You see it go all the way down, I mean, essentially at its lowest point was around 6,000. And so at the end of this graph, you see a number with an arrow on it. It says 6,800, which is roughly around the employment as we speak. Now, like I said before, there are many other factors that are involved in employment on the North Slope. But I have to maintain that the Biden's policies and many of the things that have been enacted through executive orders have really contributed to the fact that the North Slope is not rebounding. And that's what Fried is trying to say right now, is that not only does the recovery in Alaska take longer, as opposed to other oil-producing regions, it's going to elongate that recovery effort because of the policies in place. Listen, don't get it twisted. Exploration in Alaska, mining, development of our resources, those equal jobs. Whether it's construction, whether it's specialized oil field jobs, whatever it may be, there are jobs to be added when exploration and development of natural resources, particularly in our state, are available and the option can be used. But that's not happening right now. And the question will be, what's going to happen moving forward? Right now, it's holding at about 6,800 jobs. But as these policies from the Biden administration play out, are you going to see even further dipping in, as far as overall employment? And that's a great question they ask because here's the deal. As employment goes in the oil field in Alaska, so does Alaska's economy, right? A lot of those oil field jobs are, are fairly high paying. They help implement and input more dollars into the Alaska economy, which counts here in Fairbanks, Anchorage, the Kenai, Juneau, Southeast all around. I mean, 
listen, Alaskans generally keep Alaska dollars in Alaska. So if there's not good paying oil field jobs, which generally means people are not going to stay in Alaska, which means house prices go down. I mean, it is an economic effect to that. And don't get it twisted. Do I think that this would be skyrocketing and doubling if Trump got his second term in there? No, but I do think the recovery would be a lot quicker. This is going to be a long haul to recovery if we get near where we were back in 2015, let alone 2019. I mean, it is going to be difficult for this Alaskan economy to rebound. Just bottom line. Not only that, but then you look at the inflation. And so one of the reasons, one of the main reasons to look at this article is because of the oil field industry employment continues to struggle graph, which shows, again, at the height in 2015, about 15,300 jobs to currently, which is not the lowest, but one of the lowest uh, counts that we've had this year, which is about 6,800. So, I mean, you're talking over double when it comes to the height versus where it's at now. There's been just, it's incredible. It's an incredible graph. But then you look at the inflation portion of this, okay? And you look, it's a graph from 2010 to 2021 right now. And what you're going to see is from 2010 to about 2019, it has steadily ranged between 3.2 and 0.4% inflation, but in 2020, it actually went to deflation and went negative 1.1. Well, guess what, folks? 2021, whole new ballgame. Inflation hit 6.3%. That's nearly double what the highest rate of inflation was in this graph back in 2011 when it was 3.2. It's amazing. So don't, listen, what does this mean for Alaska? Well, it means that your dollar is not going to go nearly as far. Not only that, but those who have high-paying jobs are not seeing them reproduced or replicated for more people. So now you've got low jobs in the oil sector, which is one of, I mean, a mainstay here in Alaska. Now you're starting to see incredible inflation. This spells, res this, this whole recipe is a disaster for the Alaska economy. And we've been talking about this for months like, this is not something new that all of a sudden we're going, wow, where did this come from? No, must read Alaska. I'm sure you as the, the listener, our readers and our supporters have all been looking at this go, this is totally unsustainable. And then you have the Biden administration coming in and putting in these policies that are essentially killing Alaska's economy, its ability to explore and develop and, and extract the state's natural resources. So, yeah, this is a disaster disaster for the Alaska economy. And and again, it's been months we've been talking about this. It's been months. Really, it's been since the Biden administration took over because its first day, he he, you know, developed, he already had the executive orders written. He just signed them into um into action and essentially stopped all all development, exploratory development in in just decided to cripple Alaska. And we're going to see that effect. Listen, Alaska is not going to bounce back. Mark my words. This is just the beginning. Alaska is not going to bounce back nearly as quickly as it could. Then you add on top of that, the supply chain issues. I mean, 
man, it's hard to it's hard to think that this wasn't some sort of orchestrated plan because I mean it seems like common sense is out the window. It really does. And that's too bad. Because you know who suffers? Like I told you yesterday, who suffers is the middle class, really. The middle class is suffering right now. It's the same people that the Democratic Party, the left-leaning party, has decided that they were going to make their champions. We are here for the middle class, the working families. Really? You think that's what you're doing right now? You're helping the middle class? It looks like you're squeezing them. But what do they care, right? Who cares? Well, I can tell you that there are many in government right now, particularly on the Republican and conservative side, that are not uh, too thrilled with Mr. Biden. So again, this was published today. It's by Suzanne Downing, and it gives a little bit of a deal. It's, here's the title. Senator Sullivan and others file formal challenge to Biden vaccine mandate for businesses. And this has been a long time coming, and it's finally uh, here. So let me read you from a little bit from the article here. On Wednesday, the formal challenge against President Biden's vaccine mandate under the Congressional Review Act has been filed by all 50 Republican senators, and this includes Senator Dan Sullivan. Now, I'm not sure I see... Yeah, and Lisa Murkowski. Okay, there you go, Lisa. Getting into the fold, reading down this list of names of people on here. And I mean, all 50 of the Republican senators have signed this bill. I'm glad Lisa Murkowski signed it. I would have thought, and he did, Dan Sullivan would have signed it, no problem. Let me read you a little bit about this Congressional Review Act. It provides an ex expedited process for Congress to eliminate an executive branch rule. This move to overturn President Biden's vaccine or test mandate for private employers is guaranteed a vote on the Senate floor. This rule was transmitted to the Senate on November 16th, setting up a floor vote as soon as, as, soon as early December. Now keep in mind this, okay? We've already got lawsuits. And we've already got courts holding up the vaccine mandate right now. And here's what that's doing, actually. That's actually the actual court ruling is helping people when they're applying for their um, their exemptions. And I'm seeing this in other people. People are talking to me about the fact I got friends who are in the FAA and other government entities that are actually being able to push back a decision about forced vaccination in the workplace. So what's going on is the courts are halting the mandate. And now you have 50 Republican senators who have signed off on this Congressional Review Act that is going to force a vote. It's going to force a vote. And this will be interesting because when you force the vote, you're going to see where everybody lies. And trust me, when it comes to the midterm elections, this, this content will be fodder for those who actually vote against it. I'm going to read you some here. I've been co-leading the effort with Senator Braun to ensure appropriate congressional review of President Biden's overreach in implementing this unconstitutional mandate on private employees before it goes into effect. No employee of a private business should ever be forced to choose between getting vaccinated or putting food on the table for their families because of an unconstitutional mandate, said Senator Sullivan. In 2020, Congress and the president worked in a bipartisan way on an agreement that we would provide relief to American businesses on the condition they keep their employees 
Now, Joe Biden is taking a sledgehammer to that employee-employer connection, said Sullivan. Good point. Here's what I want to say about this. I, I This is not my idea, so I can't take it. But I, I did... I think I've watched this. If employers are going to force something for... So, in this case, force vaccination for employment. There was an interesting perspective that was given by a gentleman that I watched as he was talking about this vaccine mandate. And that is if employers are forcing you or prerequisite you to get something or to have something to be employed, well, if that prerequisite has to be in you all the time, then perhaps you should be paid all the time, meaning your hours are 24-7 because that's the contract between the employee and employer, right? So when you're employed and you say, okay, here's what you have to do well here to stay employed, it generally falls between a nine to five. Okay, we're just going to simplify things, trying to explain this to you as best I can. So from nine to five, these are what you have to do to stay employed. Now, what you do outside from 5 p.m. till nine o'clock the next day, that's up to you. That's your whole thing. We do not have any say in it. We don't have anything to do with that. But with this vaccine mandate, that turns everything around because you can't take the vaccine out at nine at five o'clock. You don't just get vaccinated from nine to five and then you don't have the vaccine from five till nine the next day. So if the vaccine is going to be a prerequisite for work, then work should pay you 24 seven. I thought that was, I had never heard that before. Now, obviously you've got to flush that out, but I thought that's really interesting because the employee employer contract is pretty it's pretty direct. When you're here, you have to do this to stay employed. Well, if you don't have any off time, meaning the vaccine does not just leave your body after five o'clock, then if that's going to be a condition of employment, perhaps you should be played 24-7. Very interesting. Now, I know there's a lot of things like in hospitals when you have to be vaccinated completely to work there. Yes. But the idea is still the same, which is this. You're not, it's not just a sector of business. Biden and his administration, and by extension, this mask mandate, made it universal. Not only did they make it universal, but they made it that every private business, regardless, with over 100 people, and then they stipulated randomly this 100-person mark. It's absolutely insane. And I'm finally glad to see that this Congressional Review Act is going to be brought up. There's going to be a vote on it. And you're going to see where people fall. And I think those that go against, meaning those that are for this forced vaccination mandate, oh, you guarantee you. You can guarantee that midterm elections are going to have the voting records just right there. If I'm running a campaign, I'm, I'm saying, hey, your senator, your representative, they voted to continue the forced vaccination. No choice for you. Of course, I always ask the question, if this wasn't vaccinations, but it was something else, take your pick. I guarantee you there would be complete outrage. As a matter of fact, there was a law that was passed in Texas that garnered a lot of attention for the fact that it made stringent and clear uh, indications of what you could and couldn't do in terms of the abortion discussion. And that was, I mean, ironically, at the same time that this vaccine mandate was introduced, you have 
another individual, Kamala Harris, rating against using the same jargon that they always use, which is my body, my choice, at the same time implementing a vaccine mandate. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. You really can. But there's more of a question here than this. And this is where I'm going to turn locally because, okay, so you have this, you have this idea of, okay, uh, we want to push against peop- this COVID mandate from the Biden administration. But as I've been talking for a while to you about, I am more interested right now when it comes to data about really looking, I mean, really looking at the underlying data as opposed to just a 36,000 foot view. For me, that's extremely important because I think we're missing a lot. Now, this came out in Monday, on Monday, and of course we have the Monday show, and I don't have, uh, well, I didn't have time yesterday because I went over to talk about this particular column that Suzanne wrote, but I think it's fascinating and I want to talk about it today because I think this is getting at the root of what we need to discuss. So if you missed it, you can search under this title, Anchorage Survey shows the vaccinated are catching COVID and breakthrough is not as rare as official source sources report. Now we've talked about this. I've said, I want to know the numbers behind the numbers. So don't just tell me there was 358 new cases of COVID today. Don't tell me that just 230 people or 158 people or 117 people hospitalized for COVID. I want to know more. Are those people unvaccinated? Are they vaccinated? Have they been vaccinated with a booster shot? Because those those things matter. They matter because they tell a story. They also tell about what's to come. They can forecast. So I'm going to read from this article because I think it's incredibly important. Okay. WEKA, which operates a monoclonal antibody fusion center at the former Golden Lion Hotel on 36th Ave., have been open since early October this year and has been collecting voluntary data from COVID patients who have received the treatment and are offered a survey. Now, this is early treatment, but you have been tested positive for COVID, okay? So let's just frame it there. This is super important. To date, the survey suggests that a majority of people coming into the center, early treatment center for monoclonal antibody infusion, have already been vaccinated for COVID-19 and yet have become infected and are checking in for treatment, the goal of which is to help prevent hospitalizations, reduce viral loads, and lessen symptom severity. Talk about a tongue twister there. Now listen to this. We're going to get some of the raw data, okay? Now, just so we're clear, this is an early treatment facility, okay? It's monoclonal antibody infusion, And these are all, these surveys were given, were self-reported. So here we go. Let's get into some of the numbers. According to information obtained by Must Read Alaska, out of 235 patients who took the post-therapy survey, 197 had never had COVID prior to the infection. Okay, let's do some quick math here because I'm terrible at math. So in the actual usage of this therapy, and I'm looking for my calculator here. I don't even know if I'm gonna go to find this thing. This is great theater, great theater. Here we go, okay. So, we had 235 patients that were surveyed, 
And what we're going to do is we're going to see, because I'm terrible at math. Okay. 197 divided by 235. We'll times that by 100. So about 80, about 84% of those patients had never had COVID prior. Okay. So here we go. The takeaway is that of the 237 people who were tested for COVID with MAB, 135 were vaccinated, 109 of which were vaccinated twice, and only 65 to 89 were unvaccinated. The conclusion may be that the pandemic is not among the unvaccinated, as President Biden claims. The survey was voluntary, and some of the participants did not answer the questions the same way. So here's some of the questions. Have you had a confirmed case of COVID prior to this? If so, please select the number of times you have had a confirmed case of COVID. So never had COVID. So all the participants, here are the numbers. 197 never had COVID. 16 had it one time. One had it two times. 20 could not confirm. Question number four. If you were vaccinated for COVID-19, when did you receive your last dose of your vaccination? You ready for these numbers? So 12 said they did not want to disclose. 70 said they were unvaccinated. And here we go. Four said less than 30 days ago. 10 said 30 to 60 days ago. Eight said 60 to 90 days ago is when they got their last dose of the vaccine. And 90 103 people said they got their vaccine 90 to 120 days ago. Seven said they did not remember. It's astounding. This is going to what we were talking about. For these clients, most had been vaccinated. Out of the 235 clients, 70 had not been vaccinated, while 125 had been vaccinated, which means 30% of the clients that this, that this organization is seeing were unvaccinated. Well, over 53% of the clients had been vaccinated. Unbelievable. And this is what I'm talking about. These are why the numbers are so important. It's exactly why the numbers are so important. We'll give you some number, other numbers here. Of the ones who had been vaccinated, 109 of them had received two doses of a two-dose series. So we're completely vaccinated. 12 more had the two doses plus the booster shot. The survey points to an increase in breakthrough cases of COVID, which is a phenomenon that has been characterized by medical officials at the CDC as rare. Now, again, the sample size is only 235. But when you only have 30% of those individuals walking through to get early treatment for COVID, which means they did test positive, only 30% of the 235 were unvaccinated. And this is my point. This is exactly my point, is that we're not getting the full picture. Why? Wouldn't we want to know how many of those coming through and testing positive had been vaccinated, had been vaccinated plus a booster shot or two? Don't you want to know that? Those are, that's important information to forecast where this disease is going. Quote, however, vaccine breakthrough infections occur in only a small fraction of all vaccinated persons and account for a small percentage of all COVID-19 cases, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reports. 
Monoclonal antibody treatment is only available for those who test positive for COVID diagnosis and not all who sign up are eligible. So here is the eligibility to be treated for monoclonal antibodies. High risk for developing severe COVID-19 and have a positive COVID-19 test have not yet been admitted to the hospital and are 12 years of age or older and at least 88 pounds and are suffering from mild to moderate COVID-19. Amazing. Amazing. And then it goes through and it says, okay, here's another great. Let's, let's look at some of the other information we got. If you were vaccinated for COVID-19, what vaccine were you given? 84 said Pfizer. 44 said Moderna. 8 said Jensen. 66 were not vaccinated. 12 preferred to not to disclose. If you were vaccinated for COVID-19, did you receive one, two, or three doses? 10 said one of a one dose. 4 said one of a two dose. 109 said two doses of two dose vaccine. 12 said two doses of a two dose vaccine plus a booster. 69 said not vaccinated. 12 said they did not prefer. I mean, guys, this is what we've been talking about. This is absolutely what we've been talking about. This is essential. I mean, leave it, leave it to the WEKA who operates the monoclonal antibody infusion center to, to provide this. Where, where is this in mainstream media? Where are we seeing this? And we're not. Again, another example. This is important stuff. Why would you not want to collect this type of data? This is essential stuff. So what does this mean? At least more than anecdotally, but a small sample size of 235 people, it shows that 30% of those individuals were unvaccinated, while 53 plus percent were vaccinated, still got COVID, and still are using early prevention so that they don't continue to see worsening COVID effects and symptoms. It's unbelievable. Where would all the people say, well, hey, if you didn't have your COVID shot, don't take up an ICU bed. Where are all those people if, hey, you took your COVID shot and you still get COVID, you better not take up early prevention. It's unbelievable. But here we go. We're starting to see some of this information come out finally. I'm not seeing that anywhere else, particularly in the ADN as they're reporting. Again, it's all 36,000 foot level. I want to see the details because it's important. As you guys are reading here, again, I highly recommend go to Anchorage survey shows the vac vaccinated are catching COVID and breakthrough is not as rare as official sources report. That's the title. Look it up. There's graphs in there. I'm telling you, this is good data. This is good data. And this is exactly why I've been asking and begging for it. Because frankly, you're starting to see the reverse trend. You can only claim that the unvaccinated are creating this sort of issue when it comes to hospitalizations, when it comes to early prevention, when it comes to all of this stuff. Because the numbers just don't add up after a while. And we're starting to see that. All right, guys. Well, that's it for me today. I've been talking a lot. We hit three stories, but don't worry. Tomorrow, we're going to have our fearless leader, Suzanne, on with me. We're going to talk a lot about some of the, the topics that you care about and the topics that we care about. But uh, listen, we want to thank you all. And if you haven't had a chance, if you want to help us continue to put out great content, at least I hope it's great content, go to mustreadalaska.com, top right-hand side. You can support Must Read Alaska. Any donation helps. It is essential. Also, 
If you haven't liked us on Facebook, followed us on uh, or subscribe to us on YouTube and hit the notification bell or on MeWe, Parlor, Twitter, Rumble, you can do so. You can find us by looking up our tag, our handle, which is Must Read Alaska, all one word. Go ahead and follow us and do all those things there because we put content on there as well. But listen, this is important. And as we talked about in our last story, it's really important to get into the data because it's going to actually provide us a great picture and show that the narrative that the unvaccinated or the issue is starting to really go away. And we're starting to see much more of the vaccinated having issues with COVID. So listen, we'll continue to, to stay on top of this story and provide you all the information you need. But listen, until next time, take care, Alaska. Thank you.